This is Speaking Freely with the ACLU of Pennsylvania. I'm Andy Hoover. This episode sounds different from previous episodes of this podcast, and there's a reason for that. On June 19th, in the borough of East Pittsburgh in Allegheny County, a 17-year-old boy named Antoine Rose Jr. was shot and killed by a borough police officer named Michael Rosfeld. Antoine was shot when he fled a traffic stop. He was unarmed, and based on all of the information we have now, he was a threat to no one. Once again, a person of color has been killed by the police in the United States. And once again, the victim is a child. Two days later, on June 21st, nearly 500 people gathered in front of the Allegheny County Courthouse to demand justice for Antoine. The voices you'll hear in this episode are people from the community who are frustrated, who are in mourning, who are afraid, and who are righteously outraged. You'll hear from our friends at the Alliance for Police Accountability, Brandy Fisher and Ayadaje Young. You'll hear from the youth, including Nia Arrington, who offers her thoughts on gun violence. You'll hear from Leon Ford Jr., himself a victim of police brutality, who is now paralyzed from the waist down as a result. And finally, you'll hear the words of Antoine Rose himself through a poem he wrote before he died. Police brutality is pervasive in the United States because public officials allow it to be pervasive. Police officers are public employees. They report to other public employees who report to elected officials. If those elected officials are not willing to hold their police departments accountable for brutalizing communities, then we must demand it. Our elected district attorneys have an important role to play too. A DA's job is to prosecute criminal activity, and they must fulfill that responsibility, including when the person committing the criminal act is a police officer. DAs are elected officials, accountable to the people, and we must remind them of that. Finally, let's not forget the role of the state legislature. In the 2017-18 session, our state legislators have been working to hide the behavior of police officers who use excessive force. The legislature passed and Governor Wolf signed a bill that exempts video footage from police cameras as a public record and they made it nearly impossible for the public to ever obtain that footage by creating hoop after hoop that a person has to jump through to get it. Meanwhile, the state Senate currently has a bill, House Bill 27, that would make it a crime for a public official to identify a police officer who has seriously injured or killed someone within 30 days of the incident. And even after those 30 days, they cannot identify the officer if they believe that doing so would put him or his family at risk of harm. Effectively, this bill makes it unlikely that police officers will ever be identified after injuring or killing people unless they're charged with a crime. I do need to note one caveat for this episode, and frankly for all episodes. You will hear multiple references to Allegheny County DA Stephen Zappala. The ACLU does not endorse candidates for office. Anytime we have a guest on this podcast who is from outside the organization, they may say something that is not the position of the ACLU. That's the whole point of dialogue. While we may not be able to endorse every word that's said, 
it's important that you hear them. The voices you're about to hear are from people who gathered to demand justice for Antoine Rose. This action was held on June 21st in Pittsburgh. My name is Brandy Fisher. I'm the president and CEO of the Alliance for Police Accountability. The Alliance for Police Accountability was birthed out of a police brutality case. A young man by the name of Jordan Miles was a high school student at Kappa. He was brutally beaten by three white undercover police officers in Homewood. It brought us out the couch. It brought us out the house. And it brought us in the streets. We sought justice for Jordan. It ended in a settlement. We weren't happy with the amount. We sought justice for the Ill Brothers. We sought justice for a lot of people, even Leon Ford. He ended in a settlement. But like Leon always says, money is not justice. Money is not justice. There was an attorney that stood up for Jordan's family, that came out, spoke at the rallies, that fought for him hard. And he's here to say a few words to you today. But first, I'm gonna let you hear from APA's board member, Ayodeji Young from Homewood. He's also a violence prevention specialist. Thank you very much. Right quick, I want everybody in this crowd to scan the crowd and look at all these black men out here. Look at all these black men out here. What you're looking at is experts, expertise in police brutality and police harassment. You're looking at brothers who have been subject, subjected to being harassed, abused, and beat by police officers for decades in the city of Pittsburgh and across America and in all of these little bureaus and towns. Now it's caught on film and it's brought to light. And I want you all to understand something. The narrative is about to change. It's about to change. They're going to start giving you details. They're going to tell you about this young boy's life and start assassinating his character. They're going to pull apart everything that you think you know about him. And they're going to make you try to conflict what you saw with your own eyes and tell you what you didn't see. I'm telling you right now to your face, what you saw was a murder. Let's not mince words. Let's not confuse things. What you saw was an execution. You saw an ambulance half-ass give effort to get that boy out of there. You saw them not give much effort inside of the actual ambulance. More importantly, bigger than that, what you saw was a murder. We are calling for a full investigation, a full open investigation. Let the people see what you guys are doing behind the scene and if this is getting done. This cop was at work for three hours, three hours. And in his heart, in his heart, he had murder. In his heart, he felt the need to execute a black boy. Our black boys can't make mistakes in this country. We can't have accidents. Your sons, your sons that don't look like mine, they could be in the stolen car. They could steal a piece of candy out the store. They could sell lemonade in front of their house. 
They can play with toy guns. They're going to come home at night. Our sons don't come home at night. Our sons make mistakes and it's over for them. Every time we get pulled over by police, there's a 50-50 chance that we won't make it home. Try 99% now, like the sisters say. Our parents, our mothers, our daughters, our families love us too. We want to make it home too. You always hear during events like this, I love when people say, well, wait a minute, there, there's good police officers too. What about the good police officers? You ain't no good police officer if you quiet about the bad ones. Same thing for my fellow black officers. I love my brothers. I want young black men to become police officers to help change this system from within. But goddammit, if you're going to be quiet, we don't want you either. We need accountability from the whole police force. If you see it, say something. We teach our kids to be active bystanders, but we don't want our police to be active bystanders. If you know your partner is an asshole, then say something. You're just as guilty as the cop that did it if you stay quiet. You're just as guilty. The message that I have, and I'm going to pass this microphone, is two things to remember. Justice for Antoine, and what you saw last night was a what? A what? A what? A what? Peace and love, y'all. Let's keep fighting, baby. coming out here at 12 and like just being here and really wanting change and wanting to bring justice to this young man's name and I feel like we're going to do that but this can't be the last time that we gather like this and we're going to have to keep fighting 
So I'm going to give a speech that I gave. Um, I recently visited Columbine High School, and they had a rally on the memorial of the Columbine anniversary and sort of just addressing violence and like gun violence and what the system of it is. So I'm going to be looking not on my phone, so I apologize, but okay. Gun violence is a systematic issue that has become normalized in every form. The reality is that America has a gun problem that was started by the American government and amplified by the American people. I am here speaking today to address how gun violence has become embedded in American culture, but more so to state that black men and women have been mobilizing in this country to end gun violence for years without being granted the same media attention and government support as our white counterparts. This violence lives in our streets, in our schools, in our homes, and in our churches. It has affected Americans old, black, white, liberal, conservative, rich, poor, citizen, undocumented, gay, and straight. Despite our many differences, we are all being coming united by this gross narrative that clumps us all together and throws on the label which reads, survivor or victim of gun violence. But what makes you a victim of, or survivor of gun violence? If your answer is someone who has been killed by a gun or survived a situation of gun violence, then I ask you if you recognize the victims of police brutality as victims of gun violence. Sandra Bland, Stefan Clark, Alton Sterling, Akia Gurley, Leon Ford, a man paralyzed at a traffic stop in Pittsburgh, or Mark Daniels, an unarmed black man shot in the back by Pittsburgh police on February 11, 2018, or Antoine Rose Jr., shot two days ago in East Pittsburgh. Men and women who are murdered by the police officers are left out of this group of gun violence victims and survivors. Oftentimes, when we bring up the Black Lives Matter movement to end police brutality, we are met with the question, what about black on black crime? Well, let's talk about it. Violent crime is a socioeconomic issue. According to the Bureau of Justice, from 2008... From 2008 to 2012, Crime in households living at or below the poverty line experienced double the rate of violent crimes than when compared to high-income households. This was found among white and black American households. So if we talk about black-on-black -black crime, we must also discuss white-on-white -white crime. Crime right, crime rates can be easily explained by income disparities. A 2015 report by the Century Foundation found that one in four African Americans lived in concentrated poverty versus one in 13 white Americans. White families have six times the wealth as black families, and the poverty rate for blacks is three times the rate for whites. The unemployment rate for black Americans since 1972 has always been at least 60% higher than white Americans. Poverty creates crime, and the American government allows these impoverished communities to exist. Instead of putting more funding into these communities, politicians 
implement laws like stop and frisk to criminalize citizens. Violence and over-policing go hand in hand. Over-policing leads to police gun violence and poverty leads to violence. So if you want to talk about black on black crime, you must be ready to talk about white supremacy and systematic oppression.
This is This is painful for me because I fought for six years and I thought that this wouldn't happen again. I speak all over the country and I talk about love, compassion, and understanding. But how do you have that right now? When I sat with Miss Michelle the other night and she cried and I, you know, tried to console her. I didn't know what to say. Cause I kind of feel guilty that I survived and, and, and I could still be here with my mom and my dad and, 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 and raise my son and she doesn't have her son anymore. I'm congratulated every single day. Congratulations, bro, we see you, bro. That money don't mean nothing. Because financial compensation for physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual agony is not justice. And so here we are again, protesting. But how long would it last? One week, protests go on, my followers go up 5,000. Next week, Future or somebody drop a mixtape and everybody turned up again. And I have to sit and, and strategically think about when I'm supposed to post about justice or, or police brutality or when I'm supposed to strategically engage with my peers because they on another topic. I had, a, I had a jury of all white people. A jury pull over a hundred people and zero African Americans. Some people told me it was a conspiracy. When I asked if they was registered to vote, they said no. So how are you going to be on my jury pool if you ain't registered to vote? I think about the, the emotion, and it's cool to be emotional, but we gotta have a strategy. We were supposed to have a strategy six years ago when I got shot. Ain't nobody teach me how to do this. I didn't learn how to organize. Frankly, I didn't want to, but I had to. I didn't have a choice. I want to live my life. I don't have a choice. I'm a sacrificial lamb. And so I will fight. And like I told Miss Michelle, your son ain't going to die in vain. He's not. And so when people talk about the, the financial compensation aspect of it, that's not going to bring her son back. You know, we talk about justice, you know, the restoration of balance. Well, even if you put the officer that shot me, David Derbish, in a wheelchair, I still not going to receive justice. 
because there's no way to restore the balance in my life and my mom's life. There's no way to restore balance in Miss Michelle's life. We can move closer to justice, but justice is really an illusion. We got to hold these people accountable. And protest and public opinion is not going to do that. We talk about Stephen Zapala. Listen, listen. And we all know his seat is up next year. And like Brother Vic said, he needs to know it. And so right now I'm asking Stephen Zapala to make a decision. Right. You have a decision to make right now that can impact, have an everlasting impact on this city forever. Right. And your career. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And so if Stephen Zapala decides not to pursue charges against the officer who shot Antoine. I'm asking for somebody to stand up and run against him. And 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 why I'm so happy that Nas posted Antoine's picture and Meek Mills and and all these individual, well, I challenged them to help us raise some money to get Zapala out of here. So I challenge y'all to help us raise money to get Zapala out of here. And also, we have, we don't have political power here in Pittsburgh. And so I challenge us to hold the uh, politicians accountable who are taking money from the FOP. And while we have while we have all these celebrities and people with power, economic power, help us raise some money so we can support our candidates. This is a very a very sensitive moment in history. And Antoine didn't die in vain. And so it's going to be Antoine that's going to change the face of this city forever. I've been learning a lot about ancestors over the course of my activism because of my activist family about liberation and oppression and calling on our ancestors. And in our culture, we look at Antoine as an ancestor. 
And right now, Antoine's going to speak to you. Yes. Christian from Youth Power Collective is going to read a poem that Antoine wrote himself. I am not what you think. I'm confused and afraid. I wonder what path I will take. I hear that there's only two ways out. I see mothers bury their sons. I want my mom to never feel that pain. I'm confused and afraid. I pretend all is fine. I feel like I'm suffocating. I touch nothing so I believe all is fine. I worry that it isn't though. I cry no more. I'm confused and afraid. I understand people believe I'm just a statistic. I say to them I'm different. I dream of life getting easier. I try my best to make my dream come true. I hope that it does. I am confused and afraid. Can we take a moment of silence for Antoine? Thank you. Say his name, Antoine Rose. We streamed most of this rally on our Facebook page. You can visit our page, ACLUPA, to hear more from this event. I would be remiss if I did not mention the other big story that is happening right now, the Trump administration's policy of separating families who are detained at the border. As you may know, June 30th is a national day of action, and the ACLU has been active in supporting these actions in Pennsylvania and around the country. You can find an action to attend by visiting peoplepower.org. PeoplePower is National ACLU's platform for community activism. And at that site, peoplepower.org, you'll find a link that will take you to both a map and a list of events all around the country. The editor of Speaking Freely is Amy Giacomucci. Our music is from bensound.com. The executive director of the ACLU of Pennsylvania is Reggie Shuford. I'm Andy Hoover. Until next time, be free.